Welcome back to the Act Two Podcast, a podcast for the real-life working screenwriter. I'm Tasha Q. And I am Josh Hallman. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on any of our upcoming interviews and topics. You can give us a rating and write a very honest comment. It's okay. We can take it. We only cry a little bit. If you'd rather DM us, you can with questions, topic suggestions, or you just want to say hi, you can reach out to us at act2writers at gmail.com, which is all spelled out, or on our Instagram and Twitter at act2writers. I'm also on the things. I am Story Thursday on Instagram and Tasha 3.0 on Twitter. I'm Joshua Hallman on Twitter, Josh Hallman on Instagram, and we're back at it, Tasha. I was out of town for a little bit, and I feel like I got out of the rhythm of recording a podcast, yeah. um, but it's just good to be back. It is. Yeah, it's nice to see you. You look refreshed. Yeah, no, that sounded genuine. <laughs> Thank you. Are we just jumping into this I mean, week in I, writing? Yeah, I think so. Okay, I'm going to sip my coffee and carry us through. Okay, so I was on a little vacation, and I told myself I was going to write on vacation. And I was like, this is going to be great. I'm going to crush it. I'm going to look at the ocean and write important things. I didn't end up doing anything at all. Like I didn't even open my computer once. I was trying to jot down some ideas. There was even a couple nights I went out to eat when I was with my wife. I was like, tonight we crack this story. And then we never talked about it. <laughs> and it was actually a little hard for me to get back into a rhythm. And I'm still trying to get back into the rhythm. And I guess what I ended up doing was I just sat down at my computer and I just started to write an outline for something that I'm working on. Mm-hmm. And it was like a, the snowball effect. Like once I got going, ideas that weren't good or whatever, like at least new ideas were coming to me and I was yeah. writing them down. And it was, it was just really freaking easy to not write, is I guess mm -hmm. the point of that. And when you get out of the habits of what your writing habits are, it's trouble, man. I think it's great. I feel oh. like that's the incorrect spin. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like you needed a break. And, and it's great that it was able to come back to you so quickly. Maybe your brain just needed it. I, I can't even compute what you're saying right <laughs> now. I don't even know how to respond to this. Um, Maybe like your body was, was at dinner. You're like trying to talk to about story with your wife. And then your brain was like, nope, shut off. Let's talk about food. Let's look at the ocean out there. Like stop working. Yeah, but how how long can you, you know, it's like, it's not important to talk about food to me. To me, I'm like, <laughs> let's talk about me and my stories and my characters and figure this out. In that order, me. Yeah, oh stories. yeah. <laughs> We're talk about me first and then maybe my daughter, maybe you, and then back to me. <laughs> that's it. So that's it. It's just, it's, well, one, it's a reminder to take off, but two, if you're struggling to get back into things and you feel like you just don't know what to do, just, I know I've said this a million times, just like, just start writing stuff down because yeah. it's like, it's like riding a bike. You start getting back into a flow. Yeah. I love that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, podcast is done. I have nothing to add. That's great. <laughs> I just, I think I'm sad because I want a break. <laughs> Sounds nice. Oh yeah. It was awesome. Just, I stared at the ocean. I, I just, Looked at some fish. You're texting me these like life-changing thoughts you're having of just yeah. pure enlightenment and oneness with self. <laughs> and I was like, oh, when? I, I sat on a, a rock made of lava and just 
looked oh, out into the ocean and thought, you know, I now know the meaning of life. It's beautiful. I just know it. I know what to do with myself now. See, that in itself is working. You need all those things in order to be a better writer. Yeah, it is true. It is good to get some perspective and realize we're going to die soon. <laughs> okay, what's yours? Well, on that note, um, <laughs> none of my this week's in writing feel important, but um, <laughs> this week I got notes back from my manager and the script she's giving me notes back on is a movie that I have finished. I've She's already read a full draft of this before, so I've rewritten up to the break into Act 3. And I sent it to her because that's really the, the big heavy lifting, if there's going to be any, is going to be in that section. Act 3. And she's not the producer on it or anything. I, I'm giving it to her as just like kind of like giving it to a writer's group, basically. And she calls me to give me notes. And what she said was... I'm aware of where you are in the process and I can tell you just want to be done with this. <laughs> so how can I best help you? And I both love and hate that she does this. And I love it because she's so good at being able to kind of compartmentalize her note giving where she knows where I am in the process. This draft is due next week. She can't give me big structural notes at this stage. It's mm -hmm. not helpful and it's just not going to get done and it's only going to freak me out. So even if she has huge structural notes, what she's going to do instead is try to help me get the script to the absolute best place I can with what's currently here. Mm -hmm. And I very much appreciate that. But on the flip side, when you say that my mind is just going to do you have big structural heavy lifting notes and you're just right. not telling me? And now that's just hanging over my head as I'm writing this, that I am completely delusional and the script actually sucks and she's just trying to get the best version of suck. Um, <laughs> but anyways, I just want to bring that up because I do think that is a skill that, that a lot of people don't have, that compartmentalizing of where, where are you in the process? Okay, let me best help you get to yeah. where you need to be with what you have. That's amazing. Can I ask how she knew that you were done? <laughs> I don't, I think she just knows me so well. I don't know. I think it's just the, the tone of my email to her when I sent it. Yeah. Hi. If there's anything very specific I need to know about, talk to me about this that. This is what it was because I emailed her and when I emailed her, I was like, please just tell me it's good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. That, that'll do it. That's I, why. You're, you're right, though, because I've... There's actually a project I'm working on, not with a man, my manager, but with the producer that the notes have just gotten like, they started as like, Hey, just some light X, Y, and Z. And then they turned into heavy lifting notes. Mm. And I think he could tell I was completely done with it. Or maybe he can still, we're still in the process of it. But it, like, sometimes when he gives me these big notes, I'm like, I'm done. Mm -hmm. I'm done, dude. And that it, it really is an acquired skill to I do position. think so. I absolutely do think so. And I, I think we should all work on it, to be honest. And I'm going to start doing that more in writer's group, which is, and, and I think we do ask this question a lot in writer's group, which is where are you in the process? Yeah. Like, is this really early and it's time to do some heavy lifting or are you sending it to a director next week? In which case, let's just do some, some light XYZ trims here and there or whatever. Yeah. Fucking writer's group. I've submitted something. I'm like, guys, I need very delicate light trims here, here, here. And then Sabetti comes back. He's like, your entire act one isn't working. And because that's not working, your entire script isn't yeah. working. I think like, we, we need to get better at listening to that 
it's it's a tough skill because when you're reading something and you do see a huge act one problem, you're like, oh no, they need to fix this before they let anyone see it. Yeah, but that's not what you're asking for, and it's not what you need. I remember the like the um, the famous moment in writers group when uh -oh. Dave had a script that was like, it was ready. Like they're about to go into production soon and he's just doing a last pass. And we had a new member in the group who just didn't know better. And she came with notes of like, this whole thing isn't working. And you need to move the third act to the first act. And he was just like, what? Yeah. Yeah. And I remember that as well. Yeah. That was... It's a good lesson. And on the flip side of that, it is actually really helpful if you're receiving notes to let people know because I've given notes to people where they've said very specifically, I'm looking for first act, mm -hmm. right? And then you give first act notes and maybe they actually wanted more than that. Well, what'd you think of the rest? It's like, yeah, it's great. Like I didn't focus on the rest of it. Mm -hmm. So um, it's really important to ask very specifically for what you're looking like, what you want. Yeah. So that's, a, that's it. Yeah. And so how I responded to that question when she was like, how can I best help you was, all right, here are the spots that I think are problems or that I have questions on. Let's mm -hmm. focus on that. And then <laughs> there's lingering fear of other problems. But anyways, it no. is what it is at this point. It's going into the producers next week. <laughs> no, I guarantee it's great. I promise. I know this. I haven't even read the updates or any of it, but I, I, I know it's great. I love that you're my hype man. I appreciate you. It's going to be, if it's bad, it's their problem. <laughs> so I'm going into my next one. Yeah. This is, you don't even, I'm, I'm throwing a curveball at you. Oh, shit. Are you familiar with the show The Bear? No, but I've heard lots of people talking about it recently. All right, Tasha. So everyone's talking about this show. Yeah. It was popping up in my world. It was recommended to me. Usually... I don't like dive into things, but like this, because when it's too many people recommend something, I'm like, all right, pump the brakes there, buddy. Mm -hmm. Let's let's find out. But I did watch The Bear. It's on Hulu, FX Hulu. I mean, I don't I don't know if, who watches FX. No disrespect to FX because it's a channel. So I'm just assuming everyone watches streaming on Hulu. Yeah. The hype is real, Tasha. Yeah. This show is fucking awesome. It's awesome. I'm not going to spoil anything about it. But something that I noticed that it does really well, and I think a lot of shows that I'm into do really well, or when they do really well, that like there's this one consistent pattern with some of the main characters, and it's that certain characters make decisions that I wouldn't make. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is, uh, so I'm trying to like work around saying this without making Spoilers. any yeah i definitely i definitely won't i won't i won't spoil it but for instance your main character has this opportunity to apologize to someone mm -hmm. and you're like oh this is it like this is the moment they're going to apologize because that's the right thing to do but because of their character and because of what we know about them they end up making the complete different decision mm -hmm. and they're like they just kind of nod and walk off mm -hmm. and it then leaves some tension between the like these two characters yeah and I think in the show, The Bear, that is done so well. Like mm. the characters, like all good TV shows are everything. And I, there's just so many moments where you're like, it just feels so real. And, and the writing in it is just amazing. And it's also this mm. show where like people are screaming at each other for like 80% of the time and it works. <laughs> and I love it. Interesting. 
But yeah, the takeaway that I, I was just thinking about, like, when characters make the opposite decision from a reader or a viewer, I just think that's really, really engaging. Like, yeah. it really gets you sucked in because you're like, oh, how's this going to play out? Yeah. And I also feel like when that's happening is when the writer is really tapped into people and psychology and how mm -hmm. people actually behave and work because otherwise when it is like, oh yeah, that's probably what I would do or it feels like that's the movie moment or the TV yeah. moment. Like you're, you're building towards a, dr a dramatic moment rather than what is real. And that's actually mm -hmm. the more dramatic thing, which is the irony there. Yeah, no, it's totally true. It's, and it's just really knowing your character. Yeah. I love and that. Okay. Yeah. Well, after I finish the 11 hours of Stranger Things, we'll go right to the bear. That's exactly what I did. Just by the way, the final episode of Stranger Things is two and a half hours. I'm ready. It's two and a half hours. <laughs> I think I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I watched it. I watched five hours of Stranger Things on a flight, by the way. Oh, I just wow. downloaded it. Yeah. It got me through. Anyway. Okay. That's a great way to get through a fight. Okay. My last one is not very interesting. I feel like yours were all great. Mine mm -hmm. is boring, but it's important. And I, it's that I saw a tweet this week of someone talking about how the way we get paid as writers is not tenable. Meaning that you can still be a working screenwriter and be poor simply because of the way we are paid across the course of, yeah. you know, writing a feature script, for example. And it's because let's say you're getting paid a hundred thousand dollars for a script, which is just a nice round number and also a lot of money. Um, that would probably be like mid to upper level money for a draft of a script, but that hundred thousand dollar fee that you're getting paid is going to be split up into all these different percentages before you, you're actually getting all of that $100,000. And at the very least, it's gonna be split in half between commencement, when you first start your screenplay, and then when you deliver it, however mm -hmm. many months later. So I just kind of wanted to walk through that for a second because I recently did a deal where it was split up into six different steps, mm -hmm. which is insane to me. And that's just for a first draft. It wasn't even for like, actual studio revisions. This was just the producer saying, before we send your first draft to the studio, we want all these different steps. So, but breaking it up into what's kind of more typical is 50% when you're officially commenced to start the script. And then the standard amount of time is to write a script in 12 weeks. So that's $50,000 for three months, but you're most definitely not going to get paid the second $50,000 in three months. That's just not going to happen, even though technically that's what it kind of says in your deal that after mm -hmm. you turn it in, you're going to get your, your second 50% because here's what's actually going to happen. You're most likely turning it into a producer. And even if this is a studio job or you're writing a TV show for a studio, the first people to typically read it are going to be the producers on the project because really it's their neck on the line if they turn in a shitty script. So they want to read it first for basically quality control. Mm -hmm. um, and in fact, it's so common for this reading period that producers have to, to be taken advantage of that lawyers will often work into the deal that your writing or your sorry your reading period after Tasha turns in the script can only be this number of days, 
But even then, it's not like the police are going to knock on their door if they take longer than what's in your contract. That's not really how it works. Uh, so let's say you turn it in after three months, and then maybe it takes them a week to read it. But maybe it takes them a few weeks. Now we're at four months. And now the producer has notes. And maybe they're extensive, because most likely they are, because it's a first draft. And this is called a producer's pass. It's basically a free pass that everyone tells you you quote unquote have to do because otherwise it will create bad blood. You'll seem hard to work with. And it's the best way to move the project forward because a lot of producers don't have infinite development money. So this is kind of their way to screw you <laughs> in order to get the best product. But you're also helping yourself because you're making, making the movie better. So now let's say you're at five months after revising this script based on these notes. Probably the producer will have one last pass of notes and maybe more. So now we're taking us to six or seven months before you're turning it in officially and getting paid that second check of $50,000. And honestly, that's kind of the best case scenario. Because again, as I said, I recently had this deal broken up into six steps. So you first, you see like, oh, this deal, this is great. Like I'm going to be able to save money. Maybe I'll be able to buy a house or that thing I've been needing really badly or go finally go on vacation. But then if you're getting it split up into six steps, you really can't, like you have enough money to live on is really how that breaks up to. So like the six steps for me were 10% on commencement. So let's stick with the $100,000 example, 10% on commencement. And you're minusing 25% off of that because I have an agent, I have a manager, and I have a lawyer. So that's 25% gets taken away immediately for commissions. So now I have $7,500 to start this screenplay. And in mm -hmm. Los Angeles, that's about two months of like rent and expenses. That's <laughs> that's it's nothing in Los Angeles. And remember, it takes about three months to finish your first draft and you have about two months of money to live off of mm -hmm. while writing your script. This is why we get second jobs and third jobs because this is how we're getting paid. So three months later, you're borrowing money from your mom, you turn your, your script into the producer, and now you get 20% back. This is again, in my, in my six step deal, this is what it looks like. I would be turning my first draft into my producers and get 20% delivery to producers, um, which is $20,000 minus again, that 25%. So now I'm taking home $15,000 for delivering it to the producer. Then they give me notes and I do not make money during this time when they're reading it, when they're giving me notes. And when I'm revising, I'm still living off that 15,000 that they gave me. So that's a few mm -hmm. months of living in LA. So, okay, great. I'm back. I'm repaying my mom. Step number three, I get 40% when I deliver the quote unquote final draft to the producers. And so that's 40 K minus 10,000 for my reps. And now I'm taking home 30,000. Okay. That's a, a nice, a, a much better chunk, but I'm well into this process by this point. So I've kind of had to survive a little bit before being able to make this 30,000. Now I'm getting more notes, more time to revise. I'm not getting paid during this period until finally I deliver my last and final revision just to the producers. And that's another 10% on delivering that. So 7,500 I'm taking home. Step number five is another final revision, 10% for that. And then the final step is like the delivery of the producer's polish, which is another final 10%. So that's like kind of half a year of mm -hmm. revising before you actually get all of that money that you were promised. And again, taking away 25%. And this also doesn't include the time it takes, which is usually several weeks, if not a month or more to get your checks. 
once your agent invoices. So you deliver this, but still might be a month before you actually see that check in the mail. Which is all just to say that it's this is why it's so important for us as writers to pursue multiple jobs at once and why the job sucks and is hard. Because writing this screenplay is a full-time job, but you're getting paid in such a way that it doesn't feel like a full-time job. Mm -hmm. um, particularly if you own a house or your rent's really high because you live in Los Angeles. You're just not getting paid consistently. And you also cannot predict when you're getting paid, which of course makes paying bills or making plans, like I want to go on vacation, very difficult. So Josh and I, we all pursue multiple jobs or writing multiple scripts at any given time. And you are saving that money when you get that big job because you have no idea when the next job will come and again, pre present this percentage problem. Wait, what? what is this saving money thing? <laughs> What did you say? I don't know. Some people do it. <laughs> and I just wanted to mention this because I, like, I have a very big fear of telling people that I work with that I'm working on multiple things. I just get mm -hmm. scared that they're going to panic. And it's because they do. They get scared that you're, wait, what? Like you're not focusing completely on my script. It's like, well, yeah, I'm not getting technically paid enough to just focus on your script and yeah. really make a living. And remember, producers are constantly working on a bunch of different scripts because of the same exact problem. They need to mitigate their risk and actually yeah. get paid for things. So I don't know if that that's really my this week in writing something I've been thinking about this week. First of all, that was amazing. That was an amazing breakdown. I, I genuinely mean that. But I've always thought about like what you just said, like it is crazy that people kind of criticize writers for having multiple projects and multiple mm -hmm. things that they're working on. Whereas any manager, agent, multiple clients, multiple projects, producers, mm -hmm. multiple clients, may, I mean, a director, probably not, you know, but probably. Probably, at the same, you they're know, probably they're, developing they're, as, as much as they're yeah, directing. Yeah, they're developing. And it's just weird because every writer I know for the most part is a little shy about talking about the different things they're working on. So they can always seem like their headspace is 100% in you know, your project, Tasha, yeah. you're producing my project. I'm completely in, I'm completely in. But there shouldn't be that fear to say, hey, I'm working on multiple things because the money fucking sucks and we need yeah. to figure out, uh, you know, like looking out for myself. Yeah. But yeah, it's a weird thing. And it I also always... think if we get to a certain stage in our career, A, it's, it's expected that we're going to be working on multiple things, but B they can't complain anymore. It's <laughs> like, if I'm Tony Gilroy, I'm working on five projects at once and just try and tell me that that's a problem for you. Just yeah. try, I dare you, <laughs> you yeah. know, like, yeah, yeah, so yeah. It's, of course. I mean, I think it's about confidence and about, you know, making them feel comfortable that they have your full attention. Um, for me, it's, it's still about kind of keeping it to myself until it needs to be told because yeah. I do manage it and it's, it's just fine. They get, they get good scripts. I think hopefully. Yeah. It's well, the, the last thing I'll say about this is it took like anyone I talk to, if there's ever a producer I'm talking to and we're talking about a, a script that we're working on together, I'll always be like, yeah. Uh, and I'm working on other things. Like I'll just casually always. Oh damn. Okay. Okay. Always. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I'm a little tied up cause I'm on X, Y, and Z, but you know, I'll get to this. I mean, the flip side of that is it does make you seem 
important and wanted and like a, a desired writer. And that becomes very exciting for producers. They want to work with someone like that. So it for sure. is a double-edged sword here that is, is interesting and should be played with. Go out there and play with it and see how it works for you. <laughs> Go do it. Man, that was awesome. I feel like that was like an episode right there. All right, we're done. We don't even need to get to our main topic. <sighs> well, man, this is like just full of good stuff. <laughs> so excited. All right, let's... Let's talk about first day in a writer's room. Yeah. First day in a writer's room. I, I'm going to lean on you. I feel like you are the expert in this. You know everything about writer's rooms. You, <laughs> I've, I've talked to people in writer's rooms, and I just know that you're the best. <laughs> <laughs> Again, the hype man. I appreciate it. I need it. <laughs> yeah. So, and I, yeah, I guess we thought it would be interesting to talk about like that first day. Yeah. As a writer, you come in and you're just terrified. What am I going to mm -hmm. expect? Is the showrunner going to be a monster? Am I going to have good ideas? Am I going to have stupid ideas? And is everyone else going to seem smarter than I am? Are they going to find out that I'm an imposter? Like, all those things start coming up yeah. as a writer. Let me ask you a quick question. Yeah. In person, because you're doing in person yeah. uh, right now. The first day I walk into the room. Am I shaking your hand or am I just waving because we're, we're in the times we're in? Hey, nice to finally meet you in person. Is there a handshake involved? I mean, for me personally, I'm down with, with a handshake because I know I can just wash my hand and I'm good at this point <laughs> <laughs> in terms of COVID. There's nothing, nothing better than that immediate like handshake and you're like, where is the Purell? <laughs> No, I mean, it's really up to the person. You want to you wanna bump elbows. You, you don't want to... You don't wanna shake hands that's fine too um but i mean like i'm a hugger <laughs> that's probably not what everyone oh. else is into on the first day but yeah it's as welcoming as you can possibly be right okay you've definitely met this person over zoom or if not, we're not in these times you've actually had a sit down meeting with them already so you kind of know them it's like, hey welcome mm -hmm. and then as a showrunner you give a little speech about what to expect in the room you kind of put those fears that they're coming with at ease that, hey, like pitch your bad ideas. It's okay. That's the best way we get to the good ideas. Please don't feel insecure about that. And this is a this is a circle of trust. So like we want people to feel safe to present their ideas as well because yeah. in a room you are talking about like the bear as an example of getting into the way people really think and feel. That's gonna that's gonna hit on personal things. You're gonna need to draw on your personal experiences to come up with some of these pitches and ideas. So we want mm -hmm. people to feel safe to present those things and um, to let them know if there's ever a problem or they don't feel safe to do that, please let me know or give them another option. If they don't feel safe to talk to me, they can talk to X person. Like, I don't know, a, a bad example, like the HR person at Amazon is this person. If you ever feel like Whoa. you need to have a conversation. What's going on in these just, rooms? You just need to, I mean, stuff happens in these rooms. <laughs> and a lot of people do feel really unsafe. So um, like, and I, and I mean unsafe in that they'll pitch an idea about yeah. this thing that happened with my father and, blah, 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 and someone will make fun of them or laugh at them or talk over yeah. them and insult them, whatever that case might be. Or steal ideas. That's something that happens too. And if you don't feel safe for that, like you just need someone to talk to an outlet. So you have to kind of present that to, to writers as well. And then mm -hmm. you also, I like to, to make sure everyone knows that everyone in the room is going to be pitching, that there's no hierarchy here. It's, I just learned this term actually recently that it's a flat room. 
meaning everyone mm -hmm. is, even though other people have different titles or getting paid differently, it's everyone is technically on the same level. It's a flat room coming in. So my assistant is going to be pitching and that is not a problem. So you just kind of, you just set the, the boundaries of what this room is and then kind of jump into it. I am notoriously bad at transitions into and out of things. It's just really no, awkward. No, <laughs> I am. No. I am uh, really like whenever we come back from a break, I'm just like, okay, let's go. And I just, <laughs> you're just doing it. <laughs> I've definitely like left conversations by just like turning around and walking out without saying anything. Yeah. I'm a little strange, I guess. But so, uh, yeah, that, no, that's, that's, that's not true. <laughs> it's not true. So I, 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 I didn't really think about this until you brought this topic up about just going into a writer's room. And by the way, I obviously will fight in uh, to write features until the day I die. You know that about me. Yeah. So I don't, I haven't been in a, a writer's room. And so I guess <laughs> the reason I asked you about the handshake is because uh, I talked to a friend of mine and even just little things like he was in a room and he was like, when do we break and eat food? Yeah. Can I get up and go to the bathroom? Can oh, I have a snack? Yeah. Like these little things that I, I think people become really self-conscious of. Oh, interesting. And yeah. Yeah. That no, was... you, I mean, absolutely just get up and go to the bathroom. And that's, it's interesting to hear that because I'll make sure that I say that at the beginning of, my, yeah. of when, when the other writers join, join the room soon, I'll, I'll do that because yeah, like, please go to the bathroom. Do not hold it. These are when our breaks are. Um, I like to have many breaks during the course of the room just because I can feel and I can see when people are losing steam and mm -hmm. the ideas are so bad and it's just not helpful. <laughs> so like, let's take a break. Let's go eat a snack. Um, yeah. And get up and go get a snack if you need to, if you start getting hungry, if you're just willy nilly walking out, then that becomes a problem. But um... <laughs> like, hey, we're the person. I know it sounds, it almost sounds silly. I, I feel like even hearing it, it sounds silly, but I can imagine if you're in that position, I feel like I would probably have the same thoughts, like those yeah. little like, oh man, am I going to have to walk down, like walk across this room? Everyone's going to look at me as I leave. I'm going to go to the bathroom. I'm going to come back and the story's broken. <laughs> <laughs> I left for five minutes and now we're on Mars. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, that's, that's interesting. I mean, the, I feel like that's up to the showrunner to set that tone that the room is casual. The room yeah. is like, please feel free to, to walk across the room and no one's going to look at you. It's, it should feel comfortable and it really starts with, with them. Um, I would say also don't use your phone, silence your phone. I, you shouldn't be, I shouldn't hear buzzing on the table from your phone. You shouldn't look across the room and you're like looking at your phone, you're looking yeah. at texts, like shut it off and then go take a call or return texts at your break. Um, but otherwise that's just rude. And also it's taking your, your attention away from the focus of what you're getting paid for, which is to break totally. story. So that's another thing. And I think what I, I'm sure that your room is, is compiled or there's people in there that are all like, the right personality blend, because I can imagine, you know, if you're sitting around and you're any, like this is in any area you give ideas, you're just vulnerable. Like it yeah. is such a vulnerable experience going back to like what you were saying, like, oh, I had this experience with my father. That's like hard to say. It might not mean anything to anybody else, but from you, you're like, oh my God, I've told one person this in my life and now yeah. I'm talking about it and trying to, 
incorporated into a into a story. So it sounds like it's really important just to set that tone of collaboration, I guess would be the yeah. word I'm looking for, just to make sure everyone's in a safe space. Yeah. The way we hire people is hard um, to, to make sure, to ensure that the room has the right personalities for that, which I think is why TV becomes so sort of uh, nep- nepotistic. Mm-hmm. Is that, I feel like I'm... I'm butchering no, that word. No, it feels like the right word. And I would always, when I was out, before I worked in TV, I was always so upset by that. Like, it's not fair. I can't get into a TV room because everyone always hires their friends. They go from one show to the other and they just keep hiring people they know and it's not fair. Yeah. And then I realized why they do that is because it is such a precious space that mm-hmm. you want to bring in people that, you trust and feel comfortable with because it's so scary just meet one person once and be like yeah that person will be great you get them into a room and one bad apple can ruin the whole batch where if someone has an ego or someone you didn't realize this when you met them for the first time but they put women down in the meeting or talk over them and now that's a thing you have to deal with so if you know people are good you're going to just continue to bring them with you um out of out of confidence in them so it is tough to step away from that but yeah it's it's tough to create that space. And so uh, as a showrunner and executive producer hiring these writers, for me, it's been less about, I remember one of my very first TV interview, the questions I got were very strategic. Like, what are you good at in a room? What are you good at with writing? And I was like, uh, oh, everything? Jesus. I don't know. <laughs> What's the <laughs> what question? Am I, not I like good to at? read <laughs> books. <laughs> uh, but for me, I mean, yes, I like try to get a sense of how they think about story, but yeah. for the most part, I'm trying to think like, is this person a good person? Do they have a chill personality? Do they have an ego problem? Are they a little yeah. weird? <laughs> it's, just, like, it's about personality more than anything else. Yeah. And then are you setting the, like the schedule of the day? Like, okay. Or that, not even the day, but just kind of like the path that you're on in the sense of like, if I've come in, am I, am I know, do I know what the first day is? Like, Hey, we're going to break episode one now. And then we're yeah. next week is episode two. Like, this is our time frame. This is what we have to do. And this is where, where we're going with this. So it's fairly scheduled out. Uh, you may or may not receive the schedule on your first day or before your first day rather. But typically your writer's room is going to start with what they call big sky or blue sky, which is breaking just overall stuff. So it's usually around two weeks of that. So it's Mm -hmm. you're just come prepared to talk big ideas, which is actually the easiest way to start because any writer can typically talk about big ideas, right? So it's, it's, it's sort of a nice chill runway to get into the meat of the show. And then usually you'll be given a schedule that tells you when we're going to be talking about episode one, when we're going to be writing episode one outline and talking about episode two, because the showrunner needs to know that to present to the studio and the producers to let them know Mm -hmm. when, when deliverables are happening and deliverables means when is when is the outline going to be delivered to Amazon? When is this first draft of the first episode going to be delivered to Amazon? They need to know those things. And to know those things, they need to know what your schedule is. So that's actually all worked out before you get into a room between the showrunner and the producers and studio. 
So yeah, by the time you get into a room, you should have a schedule of what you're actually talking about. There's definitely horror stories of showrunners not having this and having no idea when they're talking about what. And that can be very crazy making for the actual writers because yeah, they don't know what to prepare for, what to expect. But yeah, you should know going in what you're talking about that day to that to that level of specificity not necessarily like we're only talking about this character that day though sometimes and what i'm trying to do now is say okay we've talked about all of this tomorrow we're gonna start with talking about these things so start thinking about that tonight if you want to just get ahead of it but these are the things we're going to talk about tomorrow is the first day a productive day or is it more of a let's get to know each other and become comfortable that's kind of that. It feels more like that. It Let's feels get to know each other. Yeah, get to know each other and start feeling comfortable talking about this story and being in this world a bit. Yeah, my first day this my first day of my new room was this week, or this Monday or Tuesday, and it felt like nothing got done in a way, and I was like, "Oh no, <laughs> <laughs> I have failed. <laughs> uh, I don't yeah. know what I'm doing." Um, but then the second day, we came in and we killed it. So it, that first day really is just—it's super general. It's starting to get a feel for how people pitch, and yeah. how are they at ideas, and how are you at ideas when you're with these specific people? It is—it is a big feel-out session. I love it. I wish I could be in a room with you where you yelled at someone. <gasps> Not me, but someone. I had to cool. bust out like adult Tasha this week. What? Yeah. I had to I had to tell someone like you can't be doing that. You you really need to do this instead. Are that, you serious? It's, it's it's yeah, it's not good for the process and it's it's just not how we communicate. It was really hard. <laughs> Wait. Can we can we talk about this or is this off limits? <laughs> like, I can talk about it very vaguely. Okay, let's finish this podcast right now so I can hear this story. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, any details that you, you could share about, you know what? No, that's that's a whole other thing. I, that's like, well, also, the... I mean, I, a showrunner has recommended to me to read a book called Difficult Conversations, and mm. I've not read it yet, but I bought it. <laughs> And I feel like it's extremely important because you will have to eventually have these yeah. at any moment. So, yeah, I hate it. I mean, I I'm, I don't like confrontation. Do you want to hear something weird? Yeah, always. I, I love difficult conversations. <laughs> I know you do. I can <laughs> tell there's like a gleam in your eye when it happens. <laughs> because it's like... Finally, something is being solved. We're going to get somewhere. Oh, and, interesting. And there, there, there's, there's something that's so like, I don't know. There's like something primal about difficult conversations. It's the weirdest I thing. I wish I had a little bit more of what you have when it comes to difficult conversations. Because I am just terrified of hurting people's feelings, of making them think I'm I'm a terrible person. Like, I don't want to be perceived in a certain way. Whereas I yeah. feel like you don't give a shit. You're like, this is me <laughs> and you're doing this <laughs> and it needs to be hey. fixed. <laughs> I love difficult conversations. You'd be a anyway. great showrunner. <laughs> hey, it's time to have difficult conversations, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Fridays are for. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> um 
I think I have a sense of what the first, I love how this turned into me, like interviewing you about what my first day of a, <laughs> of a, <laughs> first day of a writer's room will be like, that all makes sense. It, it like, you're just easing into things and you're getting to know everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And again, the showrunner sets the tone and should make everyone feel comfortable. I think it's definitely nerve wracking getting into a room where you don't know anybody at all. So ideally the first few minutes, first 10, mm -hmm. even 10 to 15 is just, Hey, how you doing? Like, what, do, yeah, what are you up course. to? Like, what'd you do for the 4th of July? And just really easing people into it. Like over here are the snacks guys. And we're going to, you know, it's typical for us to take a 10, 15 minute break after an hour and a half, just to give them an idea of what we're doing and, yeah. um, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's the showrunner really has to set the tone. And if a showrunner comes in, if you can imagine, I mean, the showrunner comes in and is like a drill sergeant, I'm immediately tense the entire time. Yeah. And that's just now the, the tone of the room. Yeah, this is a, yeah, it just goes back to setting the tone. Yeah, that's complicated. If you have a tricky showrunner, then it sounds like it's going to be miserable. Yeah. But it does seem like things are changing. Like it used to be a lot more, or maybe not. I, I, like you hear stories of older showrunners, and when I mean older in the sense of like early 2000s, late 90s, even in the 90s, you know, you hear these stories where it's like drill sergeant yeah. screaming at people. And those days are kind of going away, it sounds it like. It seems like it. It seems yeah. like it. Hopefully. Yeah, we'll see. Until I start running a show. <laughs> Difficult conversation. <laughs> Every day. Yeah, well, the 90s are back. <laughs> Throw some cocaine on the table. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's all I got. Okay. Have we missed anything about a first day? Well, I think room? from a showrunner's perspective, there's a few things that come up, which is just being oh, right. super overprepared. Come in with enough stuff to talk about to last you a couple days maybe because I've found that particularly in these first few days when writers are less confident with the material because they're just coming into it, less confident with each other, there's going to be a lot of silences and a mm. lot of looking to the showrunner for direction more than it's going to be as the show goes on. And so it's preparing for the silences and having questions ready because that's really what the main thing that the showrunner is doing is just asking questions to generate ideas and these brilliant brains that they've hired and then guiding mm -hmm. the conversation based on these questions into a productive directions for the show. And so it's a lot of preparing that print stuff out, have a file on your computer, whatever it takes to be ready, just come with that stuff. And then as a writer, this is maybe not a first day question or first day thing to do because you're not you don't totally know what you're going to be talking about. But as the showrunner says, well, prepare for tomorrow, we're going to talk about X, Y, and Z character. Just come with some notes about that. Yeah. And that will help you stand out to the showrunner. It will help you um, move the move the conversation to a really productive way. And it's just preparedness. I would always recommend as much as you can. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're going to, I, yeah, I feel like that's like, you lose sleep the night before and you're just like prepared. Yeah. A lot of late nights. Yeah. yeah. Typing up sure. notes. Mm -hmm. That's it. I mean, I, I don't know. Are there any other questions about the first day from a writer's perspective that seems scary that we can dispel? I don't think so. It really does seem like it leans on the showrunner 
and everyone else who's controlling the room to just really put everybody at ease and yeah. just say, hey, we're, we're all in this together. This is a flat room. Even though I don't really like that term, by the way, I feel like we can maybe change that. <laughs> we'll come like, up with our own. Yeah, flat. There's something. There's something. That, there's something that it's lacking energy. Yeah, it's, I need. It's I need more. It's yeah, dull. yeah. The flat. But yeah, I really think setting that and then. I guess there are practical things like: Do you need to bring a computer? Do you need to bring paper and a pencil? And ideally, the oh. room should be outfitted with these things. I would say on the first day, just in case it's not, bring your own pen and paper and and your computer to take notes or your your iPad to take notes. There will always be someone in the room, a writer's assistant who is taking notes just for the room in general. And then they will send that notes document to everyone in the room. So you have that. So you don't really have to be doing it yourself. And the idea behind that is, hey, like free up your hands. Like don't worry about the computer. Just yeah. be here and free flow ideas. I'm not that kind of thinker. I think better when I'm typing things down. So mm -hmm. that's just not who I am. But um, yeah, don't feel responsible for taking notes because that's going to be the writer's assistant job. Sometimes it's the staff writer's job, but very rarely. And you will likely be told this before the first day if it's your job. Yeah. And then if it is your job to do that, try and get an example of the room notes and how people do room notes from either the showrunner or other people you may know who may have access to this because it is a very particular way of taking notes that you just want to be aware of. It's not just a list of bullet points, for example. You can get hired and then you can get told, oh, by the way, you're going to be taking notes in this room. Yeah. Sometimes staff writers are responsible for that. I'd the be lower so pissed. Level, the yeah. It's not, it's not ideal. That's not how it should be. I, listen, not pissed because it's a bad job. Pissed because I'd be like, <laughs> I'm going to miss some of these notes. Yeah. Like I, I like I I would be that would terrify me to be honest with you. Like I'd be like missing oh notes. God, yeah, I'm, like the I'm whole show yeah, it it fails because you miss that one key note. Yeah, the one key note that like everyone else remembers except for you. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Josh, what was that thing we talked about? That huge turning point for that character? You remember what's in the notes? Uh yeah, yeah. no, I don't think we talked about that. <laughs> Was that today? <laughs> Who's the drunk that? Yeah, no, no, that's not you. Wow. No, that all makes sense. And yeah, I would, of course, bring my computer. I, I don't go anywhere without my computer. Yeah. Well, like when you were in that weekend writer's room that we did for that sort of brainstorm session, no one had computers out. People just had notepads and pen, and that seemed to work well, right? That did work very well. I did have my computer with me, of course. And it, what's interesting is, yeah, you just kind of look around to see if anyone else has their computer out. I think I did put my computer out the first day. Mm -hmm. And then the second day, I just... <laughs> you were like the nerd with the one computer. Yeah. <laughs> Set it up. Interestingly, well, I, I just opened my backpack and found things that I took from that room. <laughs> this is like months ago. <laughs> I was like, oh, Yes, yes. There like, like a couple old different free things. sodas and stuff too. <laughs> yeah, there was a couple things that I was like, yeah, this is really helpful. So that's it. I mean, that's yeah. what's to expect in in the first day in a writer's room. I guess if anyone else has questions about first day in writer's rooms, you're approaching that day, or you just that's a big question mark for you as it was for me coming in because I didn't. No one talks about it. Um, yeah. <laughs> please let us know, and we'll definitely answer those questions. 
I feel so prepared for the first day of a writer's room. You're going to do fine. After talking to you. Yeah, about let's it. go. Let's go. Dave and I are going to start a writer's room. <laughs> uh, that's it. All right. That was awesome. Quote of the day. Let's go. Audiences are harder to please if you're just giving them effects, but they're easy to please if it's a good story. Steven Spielberg. I knew I was loving that as that was going on. I just, I knew it. Please remember to rate and subscribe. Follow us at Act Two Writers for more awesome writing stuff. You can follow me, Tasha, at Story Thursday on Instagram or on Twitter at Tasha 3.0. And I'm Josh Hallman on Instagram, Joshua Hallman on Twitter. And as always, the Act Two podcast is a production of Act Two, a network and support group for the everyday working screenwriter. This episode was edited by Paul Lundquist, music by 414 Beg, which you can find on Spotify. Mm-hmm.